you have your Bibles, we get to continue in Mark today. So we're excited to go through this really amazing and incredible gospel, good news that Mark wrote of Jesus, and he's just relentless. So our whole series is relentless, not that we need to be more relentless, but that Mark is relentless in presenting to us Jesus. I'm very excited that we get to look at this today, because today we're jumping in finally to Jesus really teaching. We started Mark 4 with Jesus himself, the Son of God, and he opens his mouth to teach. And when God's going to say something, I want to know it. I want to know exactly what it is. And today we get to think about, and I've titled this, Riddles and Expectations. Because I'm, I'm trying with with you and I together to walk as the original hearers would hear and, and to listen with them and, and to see this presentation that we get from Mark. It's critically important for you and me to see how Jesus is teaching. It's super important not to just float along with the presumptions you already have about what Christianity is and about what everything is and, and those things and to hear Jesus. That's because everybody's got expectations. And Jesus pokes at those expectations by speaking in parables. You know what a parable is, right? But but I would say almost you could say riddles. Maybe you don't know what a parable is because generally parables, they tend to push you away from the meaning. Not like Proverbs, right? Sometimes I think people think parables are kind of like a, an, another kind of proverb, a pithy statement that has a really cool point. When I was in Africa, and I was in Africa for some time, and, and, and after I taught one time, someone came up and said, Oh, like monkey, father have tail, monkey, son have tail. Well, what's that? That's called a proverb. My dad spoke, and they liked it, and so when I spoke and they liked it, they said, Oh, you're like your dad. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. That's not a parable. That's a proverb. A pithy statement that you think on it and you get this truth from, right? Now, that's this idea, though, that Jesus is speaking and we hit it today. And it's really important as he begins his teaching ministry that Jesus starts to speak in parables. Riddles. The closest I can help to see you is kind of like a magic trick. I don't know. I have, it's okay, guilty pleasures, right? That's my, my kids like to watch, not me. I never watch. America's got talent. But those things where you know you have um, one of the favorite acts I've heard, the, God, the magicians, I know it's not magic. Not like weird sorcery, anything that we disagree with. It's magic tricks like cards, right? The guy gets a white deck of cards and he flips it out and then he flutes it around and you're watching him while he does it and then all of a sudden he moves over here and the cards turn red. Whoa! I know there's a trick in there somewhere. If I could just figure it out, it's not like he really turned them red. It's like sleight of hand, like look over here while he did something over here and he did it. And I think sometimes Christianity is a little bit like that. I want to know how. Give me, give me the hows and the whys and the figure it out. But the parables point to actual magic. Something deep. Something you can't just say. Tell me the trick and let me figure it out. I don't mean magic in any bad, evil. I mean deep, amazing workings of God. 
You get a glimpse of that today. Don't miss it. Don't miss it with, oh, there's got to be a trick. I got to figure out them. I got to figure out how they turn the white cards red. No, wait. Something actually crazy cool is being communicated to you from God as Jesus Christ speaks in parables. So that's what I'm pulling you towards today to break your expectations of what you think religious Christianity is in some sort of magic trick and see the actual depth and wonder of your Savior. Riddles and expectations. So first we're going to look at the parable. So we begin here in Mark chapter 4. If you have your Bibles and want to watch, we walk walk through a passage and we'll walk through the first 20 verses of, of Mark 4. Here we go. First, the parable. Again, Mark writes, Jesus began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. So this is it. You know, all this healing has happened. And we've walked through the first three chapters. And Jesus has had a little teaching interactions, but they were around questions. But now there's so many people packed around him because he's been doing these amazing miracles of healing. That he's got to go out on the water, and and that puts a little space, right? Because people don't want to swim or stand in the water. So now he has some space. He's not going to get crushed. And so now he's going to teach, and I'm eager to what he's going to say. This is a really important hinge in all the Gospels. All the Synoptic Gospels have this hinge. The Synoptic Gospels are Luke and Matthew and Mark. All of them present this amazing passage here. It's this start where Jesus starts speaking in parables. So I'm, I'm seated, sitting kind of forward on my seat. I'm ready. What is Jesus going to say? And what are my expectations of what, what is this God going to say to teach? And he was teaching them, verse 2, many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. (laughs) Okay, then. (laughs) I hope I have ears. I mean, Mark comments that he's speaking many things in parables. And again, the best way to think of it, I think, in our context, a little like riddles. But this is a really famous parable. You've probably heard it. It's, it's not so interesting to us sometimes because we, we think the story is kind of belaboring the obvious. Some soils are good. Some soils are bad. Let's be the good soil, people. Something like that, right? I mean, you don't need to make it riddly, parably. It's easy. I already know this. I know how this trick is done. Here's how we read it, right? Without even thinking. Jesus is the sower, or anybody's the sower that sows the word of God. 
He's out sprinkling instructions. If you'll obey the instructions, you'll produce fruit. That's not hard to understand. It's the basis for the law, right? We have this image of Jesus and then of ourselves, the church, going around and sprinkling little pieces of the word of God on places that haven't received it yet. You know, be kind. If you would just be kind, a little plant will grow. And, and good things will happen. And if you would just avoid this bad sin, well, your life, things would go well with you. A little plant will grow. We can all grow together. Be humble. And if you will, good things will happen. Avoid drunkenness. Oh, man, all kinds of evil to be avoided. And these dispensing of little pieces of truth implanting in your heart, it makes sense in a kind of a Second Timothy 3 kind of way. All scriptures good for valuable for reproof in those things. And so I think that's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about taking the word and this, this seed and, and sprinkling it out there. And if you'll receive it, if you'll be good. If you take in the word and you do what it says, you'll be rewarded. If you don't listen, if you harden your hearts, if you allow other idols or passions to take away your obedience, then you're rocky or weedy soil. So take the word, do the word, obey the word, you will be blessed. See how easy this is? I can do the parables. This ain't a riddle. It's just straight out truth. I don't need an interpretation by Jesus. That's easy, huh? You know I'm setting it up. It's wrong. The reason it's wrong, I think it's wrong, is that they didn't get it. That's a big deal that should open your eyes. They didn't get it. Mark says Jesus is speaking in riddles that are hard to understand. And I just flat out come, oh, I can do that, boo, boo, boo. If you're not watching closely the picture Jesus is planting and thinking how they would think, you end up with thinking you understand the magic trick. I got this. Be good, be blessed. I'll just... I'm good soil. So, so back it up with me for a minute, would you? Look at this story and really look at what Jesus says. Don't come with preconceptions. Come with what, what, what actually is happening. And just let the question be there. And then let's answer the questions as Jesus does with them as he goes on. So the, here's the thing, okay? First, there's a sower sowing seed. Jesus goes right into it, right? There's a sower sowing seed. Who's the sower? I don't know. Doesn't say yet. Good question. I want to know who the sower is. Second, I want to know what the seed is. He's sowing seed. What is this seed? Is it little Bible verses? That's what I just told you. Maybe it is. He scatters it everywhere and regardless of the soil. This is one strange farmer is the first thing that anyone listening would know. Seed is precious. You don't just toss it out there. You carefully plant it. You ever see the little holes that you put stuff in so that you don't mess it up? You don't take your precious seed and just toss it everywhere. All the stuff that goes to the wrong place will be like wasted. Why'd you do that? Oh, Jesus is kind of being a little strange here. So the next question, why? Why is Jesus saying that? And then the seed does what it does. 
The seed is what produces the grain, not the soil does its mysterious life that Jesus is talking about somehow, this mystery of life. It's not A plus B equals C. It's not this reaction plus this chemical plus mix them together and I get the right thing. This he's talking about somehow something becoming life. Biggest mystery left to man, we can't make it. He's sowing little pieces of life. There's no life apart from the seed. And the seed actually does stuff. That's where the power is, is in the seed. And I know some soils, it does different things. There's different responses. But the reality is the seed's at work. And then finally, this life is in the seed. There's hostility. There's birds going to eat it. There's places where it gets choked out. And I hope a little tiny bit you're starting to get confused. This doesn't fit so how we often think of little Bible verses as seeds or linear heart responses to the Bible as Jesus' point. There's some other stuff going on. Using seed is a radical, wonderful image. Life is in it, but we don't know how. It's something entirely new that when introduced in the right conditions, it brings new life. When you toss it in the soil, it disappears. It seems to die, and yet it makes more. And somebody's throwing this stuff around. So stop thinking obedience for a minute. It it, it has too many overtones. Think big, huge handfuls of precious seed cast out everywhere. Start thinking about receiving What are you receiving? The seed. Uh, We're not the seed. The soil's not the seed. Life is in the seed, and the seed is falling everywhere. So this picture's forming. It's a little bit fuzzy. And the critical part, wait a minute, this is the start of Jesus' teaching. Couldn't it be clearer? So there's something there, too. How he's doing it's important, too. We've got to think about the, the, the purpose Of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, speaking this way. That's where Jesus goes, by the way. That's where Mark wants you to see. So walk through with me. We'll come back to the story. Because when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked Jesus about the parables. (laughs) They're like, "Um, what's going on? And he, and he said to them, he said, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. Hey, p- pause there for me for a minute. So Jesus tells them what the subject is, the actual subject of the parables. What is it? The kingdom of God. You've been given the secrets, the mystery of the kingdom of God. It's a mystery. It's not just easily grabbed and understood. The topic is the kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom, and it's here on earth with Jesus. I'm I'm telling you about life, he says, relating to the kingdom of God. And this makes me doubt, and I think it should make you doubt, that first safe, obvious reading of the parable. Be a good kid and eat your vegetables. That's been mom's line forever. 
We're talking about the mystery. That's the word for secrets, the mystery of the kingdom. It's mysterious. It's upside down. It doesn't act like I think it will. We don't naturally get the flow. Especially in light of verse 12. So that, he says, they may indeed see but not perceive. May indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. This is not a divine double cross. Until God can get people into a situation where he can finally zap them with condemnation. Like, yeah, yeah, I showed you this, but you didn't understand. No, 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 boo, boo. This is an observation. This is a descriptive observation. Jesus is almost musing from Isaiah 6, right? That's where that's quoted from. Jesus thinks about the unlikelihood of anybody's getting even a glimmer of the mystery. Let alone a grip on it. Boy, Isaiah really had it right, he says. So I wonder, don't you? Why we take this parable like be good soil? Why we think this is a simple teaching with a point that's just be the best you can, be as fruitful as you can, like every single religion ever. Everybody knows there are rules you respond to, whether those are societal rules or rules of existence or just how to make it off the cycle of karma or whatever it is you're trying to do. Here's the requirements, do this and live. But they don't perceive, Jesus says, that their hope is outside of them. The central critical thing to get you and me It unlocks all the parables because because he talks about the point. He does. Look what he says in verse 13. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? No, not, not yet, Jesus. How then will you understand all the parables? See, if you get this one, it's going to snowball. And you'll get the other ones too. The disciples get more, and, and therefore written down for us is there are these explanations, and Jesus is going to go and explain this one particularly, and he does it in all the Gospels that, that record this, this parable, in Matthew, in Luke, and in Mark. This same setup of they don't understand in parables, and then Jesus says, let me tell you and try and help you. Because they do get more, but if you don't get this point, you'll miss the rest. And, and if you start to miss the rest, it'll snowball too. And you'll end up less able to see than you were before. So it's really crazy critical for us, church family, that we get this. And Jesus doesn't just make it crystal. He pushes it in a direction that should make us go, wow. Dear disciples, this is deep magic. I know it. I'm sorry. I used magic. I used it just in the sense that this is a deep, hidden thing that is laid out for you of what God in Christ is doing. Will you see it? Here it goes. The sower sows the word. Okay, well, the word, what's the word? The word of the kingdom, that's, that's the seed. What is this word of the kingdom? It's, it's the presence of the king, right? Jesus is the word. 
I don't think it's wrong to take from John and to take that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I don't think it's wrong to say Jesus is the exact representation of the father from Hebrews chapter one. I don't think it's wrong for you to see that the, if you're going to see God at all and see the message, it's Jesus who's the word. This is the beginning of the explanation to you and me through through Mark of the coming of this kingdom. And it starts with God the Father, and he's the sower, and he sows the word of the kingdom. And we know the word is the word of Jesus. Jesus is the seed sown. And he's been sown everywhere by the Father without earthly cooperation, without earthly consent. Critical point. Who's in charge? The sower is. And this is a parable of the coming of the kingdom. And the coming of the kingdom in Christ is the arrival of true, actual life. The mysterious life contained in seed. Life that you cannot make and you cannot fake. And God has scattered Jesus everywhere. Radical for these guys. Who was, who was the Messiah coming for? The Jews. Where does Jesus go to? The ends of the earth. Everywhere. It's pretty amazing that life lands even where people don't want it to. Too bad, says the sower. I have so much. And and so really, they'd understand this, right? You don't sow seed onto paths. That's so wasteful. Seed is so valuable. So this amazing picture of abundance, when you understand that Jesus is the seed, becomes this amazing reality of the abundance of life in Christ offered is to everything. It's massive. So we have the seed gives life, is actual life. Jesus Christ is life. That's where life is. And then he he goes in and says, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So life comes and there's opposition. One opposition is that the word is heard but not understood. It's taken away from a patch of soil. And notice this is the birds coming when he told the story. So Satan's like the birds coming and snatching the seed. Even then the parable works because Satan can't destroy the seed. What do birds do with seed? They distribute it even more without trying. Amazing. But they snatch it from the soil. They're they're, they're distributing. You can't get rid of it. And and so then there's this next one in 16. And there are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. They have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So this second response to the mystery life received is that the seed grows because that's what the seed does. And then it, it withers. Linked to understanding, right? Someone hears the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the word of Jesus. They think, great, but they don't really understand. They don't see the plant as the most precious thing ever that they have nothing really to do with. And, and so when, when, when the reality is when other things come and question They don't hold on to the truth. They give it up. They never never really had life. And others, it says, are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, 
But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. This third response, they get the mystery of life tossed at them. But anxieties and successes of themselves push them away from the truth of the good news. Which is what? We're nothing. It's all about the seed. And these thorns that choke it out or worry for yourself and success in yourself, that's not life. And, and then he says, but those who are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. So finally there's a soil that receives the seed and the seed grows in. The, the, the soil doesn't grow. The seed does. And receiving the word is hearing and understanding. Mark says receiving. And this life makes life. You understand? Bearing fruit, receiving the seed. People go sideways so fast, I argue how to get someone to be bearing a hundredfold rather than thirty. I like if you look back, even some of the early Jerome said that um, the hundredfold were Christian virgins. The 60-fold were widows. The 30-fold were couples keeping the sanctity of marriage. Does that have anything to do with this? No. One excellent commentator said this, that differences can never be interpreted as meaning that the operative power of the seed, the operative power of the word, is in any way dependent on circumstantial cooperation. It's not a parable about, because there's nothing in it. How to make yourself more fertile soil. That's what we want to make this about right away. It's not try to be more fruitful. It's a promise of fruitfulness. If you see and hear that the only life is in the seed. Only in Jesus, and then you will bear fruit. Do you hear and understand that life is only in Jesus? Not you. In the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is what gets born in your life. This is our fight in Christendom to take this parable and just just destroy what Jesus said too often. Life mysteriously received and promised to bear fruit. Look, if you hear it and understand, it's amazing you understand your only hope is Jesus. You're going to bear fruit. You're going to bear 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. And those are crazy numbers. That's like not an 8% return. That's a 10,000% return. Whoa! Here's why it's a fight. Because instead what we hear from people, I heard this week, I listen to guys I like, but the one here saying something like this, it goes along this lines. Are you running well? Are you overtaking other Christians in maturity? And he said, he said, that's really good, but make your next lap even faster. See how fruitful you can become. How do you know you're running well? I would, I would ask the guy. How do I know that? that Here I am thinking I'm growing faster than other people. How do you know you are? Well, the Bible tells me what to do. How do you know what the Bible's saying? Is that what you really think the Bible's saying? Is it teaching you that? Because my answer would be from the Bible. No. 
That, that's the world out there speaking in your ear. Jesus isn't teaching here moral improvement to pass other people on a ladder to reward. Boy, if you really get motivated, you can be one of the 10,000 net people instead of one of the 30,000 net people. You can get in on the pyramid scheme at the bottom and climb your way to the top. There's companies that do that. You probably know them. That's not the Bible. That's not Jesus. This is so different. This is so different. It's teaching you to trust in the seed who is Jesus, dying for you, and that he will produce life in you by his power alone, not by yours, and and, and your soil, and you don't improve yourself. You receive life. Your single focus, your single hope is in the seed. And here's the trouble. We want to be the magician. I want to know the trick. Show me the method. Show me how, God, you got from the white cards to the red cards so that I can do it too. Instead, you and I were the audience. We marvel that there's life in the seed. Okay, so let's, let's review just real briefly at the risk of beating you over the head. I'm sorry. But the critical thing for you and me to understand before we end is that we receive his kingdom. This is about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is God the Father scattering the word become flesh, the news of Jesus Christ, and actually Jesus who will go to the cross and through his blood we get the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is a deep and mysterious thing. It is not a loose and easy call to cheap morality. This seed, this life is scattered everywhere by God, not by you and me. We come into the picture not not as life, but as soil. You're not fertilizing the seed. You're not augmenting the word. You're receiving it. Jesus says you receive it by understanding. If you get that Jesus is the only life, everything else will flow out of that. So this isn't, isn't a parable of obedience except in a particular sense. The sense of receiving life. Understand that Jesus is life. Take him in. Believe the gospel. Receive the word. It will it will mysteriously and in a way that seems so paradoxical, disappearing in the soil, right? Bear real fruit in your life. You will have a fruitful life. That's what the parable says. If you just receive the seed, if that's where your hope is, you're guaranteed to bear life. This is the kingdom. The primary way you and I, we get in the way is we think we have the ability to change our soil. I did that last year, you know. I was so excited. I was the gardener. There I was with my beans, and I like these pole beans because they're one of the few things where they actually make enough that it's kind of worth it to do the silly thing for me. So I put them all out there as plants, and I said, I'm going to make them grow this year. And I took the soil, and I got it there. But I'm like, man, that's just our normal soil. I'm going to fertilize the stuff. So I took three handfuls of that nitrogen, whatever it is, and I stuck it in there with it, thinking I was really doing a good job. Death. Because you can't just add handfuls of fertilizer without mixing it rightly. And I had no clue what I was doing. I thought I was all, like, cool. Instead, I was killing my plants. We have a God, you know. Our God knows exactly what to do. 
He knows every circumstance of your life. He knows exactly everything. And he's given us Jesus. And he says to soil, believe Jesus. Trust him. And all the things that start to come in, all the circumstances that you're tempted to say, where is God in this? If instead we could only say, I got a dad. He knows what's going on. We forget, so you need to be with each other. We did this yesterday with Randy, who's in a wheelchair, right? You should ask him why he's in a wheelchair. And how then Keith has found God in his life to realize we're forgiven in Christ. We're soil. And yet we've got this amazing life. It's a mystery. It's a deep thing that God in Christ grows, that he tells us we're going to be fruitful, and, and, and that's what we do. Okay, we need to be done, but let me say this. This whole parable, the whole teaching today from Jesus, it's hitting not just at the presentation of Christ alone, which is what this parable is about, but, but it's helping you and I break our expectations. And Jesus will do this over and over. He knows how we think. If we have any chance of getting there ourselves, we will get there ourselves. If there's any chance of inserting ourselves in, we will insert ourselves in. And so he begins to speak in riddles and parables. We'll see more next week. Don't miss the amazing wonder that Jesus taught in parables. So the entire story unfolds on one line. Jesus Christ is the sown seed. Jesus Christ is life. Jesus Christ will bear fruit in your life if you will just trust him. He's worth it. Let's pray.